You're listening to the DC Real Estate Podcast, the podcast where we focus exclusively on all things local to the DMV area. Local investors, local knowledge, local experts. Our journey starts now. Welcome to this week's of the DC Real Estate Podcast. My name is Russell Brazil. I'm an associate broker with Arlo Real Estate. I'm Sarah Frank. I am an agent with Arlo Real Estate on Russell's team, the District Invest Group. And this week, we've got an awesome guest with us to talk about one of the most pertinent things in the marketplace today. Hi, I'm Jessica Green from Loan Depot. Yeah, so Jessica is one of my preferred lenders. She's an awesome lender. Great rates, great uh, reasonable fees. So if you guys need a lender, reach out to her. Um, but one of the things we got going on in the marketplace today that's on everyone's mind is rising interest rates. Um, and that is something that is affecting your business, I would think, quite a bit, Jessica. Yes. So tell us what's going on with rising interest rates. I think in the market nowadays, you're seeing a huge disruption with the higher interest rates as opposed to 2020 and 2021, where we saw record lows. So although it's not as high as it was previous years, it's still pretty high now compared to what we saw last year and the year before. Yeah, certainly a big jump in probably, what, less than a month, less than two months. Um, yes. We've gone from, what were the lows just a few months ago? I mean, at the end of last year, you're still looking at the twos and the threes. And then come the beginning of this year, things look a lot different. Yeah, fives, sixes for investors. Yes. Um it's uh, been quite a shock to the system, uh, but it does not seem to be cooling the market down at all, really. No, we're still seeing multiple offers on houses. It's not slowing down with listings. Buyers are still out there. We're still doing refinances because obviously there's divorces still happening. People are still renovating their houses. I'm shocked to hear that you still get some refinance business going on. Mm-hmm. Um, so as you said, it sounds like a Things like divorce is happening. That's going to happen regardless of market conditions. Exactly. So the world keeps on turning. Yeah. And especially when it comes to renovations or people are doing cash out refis, because even though the rates are higher, if you're doing your taxes and you have a tax lien, the interest rate on that on your house is cheaper than what you're paying in late fees and interest for the. Oh, interesting. So what's a what's a rate on a cash out refi looking at? looking at like these days. And obviously whenever I'm asking a particular rate, everyone's getting a different rate based on their credit, their debt to income. So I'm just kind of talking in big picture, uh, you know, big picture overview. You're looking in the fives, fives. That's still not too bad. Yeah. We're definitely not in the twos or the threes anymore. Um, occasionally you get like a high fours, but mostly in the fives. Okay. And, uh, what is, what's a good way to phrase this question? I forget what I was going to ask. <laughs> I was going to say that we talk a lot about how the market's softening just a little bit, and then maybe these new rates will be the new normal, and we'll start to see demand start to pick back up a little bit. People who are kind of freaking out, they were looking for a house. We've had a few clients, and they're like, oh, well, we're going to pump the brakes for now, but hopefully. Yeah, have you had any buyers that have been pumping the brakes, washing out from your yes. client base? Yes and no, because I think everyone is also waiting for the market to quote unquote crash <laughs> and houses to like plummet in pricing. And that's just not something that we're looking at nowadays because with Dodd-Frank and all the rules, this is the first time that rates have risen since Dodd-Frank. So we're looking at different regulations happening and the market's not necessarily going to crash because as you've seen this year, 
the house prices are still going up. And they're yeah. going up still very, very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a huge supply and demand problem. So the idea with raising rates is to try to weaken demand, but that has not happened. And it certainly doesn't help with the supply side. If anything, rising rates are hurting the supply side because now if you had a seller who was thinking about trading up, for instance, now they're looking not not only a higher price point to buy the next property, but they're looking at a significantly higher interest rate than they may have in their existing home, locking them into place, putting further pressure downside pressure on supply, um, which is just exasperating our, you know, our inventory problem. Yeah. I think people that were thinking about selling are now thinking, okay, maybe I will, I'll I'll wait for them to go back down again because what goes up must come down. It's just the way of the market. It's the nature. Um, right now we're seeing it's a little scary, but that's where you adapt and people are leaning towards HELOCs instead of cash out refis. And, we just rolled out a HELOC program. So instead of doing, you know, first liens, we're also doing HELOCs now and really expanding in the market so that you can adapt to this change. Yeah. So is this the first time Lone Depot is doing HELOCs? Because, yes. yeah, I didn't even know you guys had that product. Mm-hmm. So what's what's the HELOC product look like then? It is a second lien and it's up to, it depends on credit score, loan program, those types of things. But um and it, it basically, it's a better program if you're going to redo your house, if you're going to, you're looking at prime rate instead of interest rates based on. So is it just floating with the prime rate or is it prime rate plus a certain percentage rate? I think it's prime plus a quarter. That's pretty good. Mm-hmm. And what's that like a 10 year amortization? Yeah, it just, there's different programs, obviously. Okay. So if you have more questions, feel free to reach out to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that in just alternate loan programs, I think Jake Ryan said at our meeting yesterday, you know, people are looking at arms again, whereas, I mean, we haven't had an arm client in a while. I have one now. She's under contract on a condo, but I saw arm and I was like, I haven't seen that in a while. Arms are looking more appealing nowadays right. because, you know, it's a shorter time frame with that rate and pricing is a little better. And then you have people that are going to refi out of them when there's a refi boom again, and you can refi to a 30 year fixed or a 15 year fixed, depending on. So have you seen an uptick in, in buyers using adjustable rates then? Yes. What would you say? So I'm guessing a year ago this time, we're probably doing almost no adjustable rates. No, none at all. And uh, what would you say? Like if you had to guess, what would be the percentage of buyers you see doing them now? Oh, a majority of people I talk to ask me about arms okay, because they want to know, arms versus a 30 year fixed to see what rate they can get and how it works and that type of thing, because it's just more appealing. What would you say the general discount on the interest rate is on the arm? And obviously it depends on uh, whether it's one year, three year, five years, seven years, whatever. It's such a tricky question because everyone is so different and every program it between the 10, if obviously if you do a 10 year arm, you're looking at a good rate in the test seven and the 10, it's a little different for the five. Um, but it depends on obviously so many things. Yeah. I've got an RM on my primary residence that I'm kind of sad that I did not refinance into a fixed rate in the last couple of years. Cause it's set to reset in December. And, um, I think my rate is whatever the five year treasury is plus 2%. So it's going to jump up to like five, five and a quarter if it, re- but depending on what rates will be in December. Yeah. For my first house in 2013, I did an arm cause that's, they were really appealing then. And the rate was in the twos. 
Yeah, I mean, for most of our entire lifetimes, for everyone in this room, I think uh, we've been in a falling interest rate environment. So having an adjustable rate pretty much any time over the last 40 years worked out well. Having one now as we're in a rising interest rate environment is a different story altogether. Um, I think people are just trying to look to see what alternatives there are to keep the rate as low as possible, even if it's for a short amount of time. Yeah, kick the can down the road, refinance, get another 30-year loan to spread that back out further. Um, but if you can save a few hundred dollars a month, um, an adjustable rate might be the right product today. Yeah, because typically you see the market changing every seven years or so where you see a refi boom. And that's typically, usually people refinance once in their term of their loan because the rates do go down. As we saw in 2020 and 2021, it was shocking. And most loan officers and real estate agents could say 2020 was probably their best year. Not only quarantining, where you could really focus on work, but the rates being incredibly low. Yeah, it was definitely a probably the best year of many people's business across all the real estate mm-hmm. um, professions the last few years. Um, so is Loan Depot, many of the... Many of the loan companies have been laying off tons and tons of like the back office people. Has Loan Depot been doing any of that or? Not as big as some other companies, but obviously there is adapting and trying to flow with the changes in our company. Um, You are seeing people taking different roles in those types of things or it's the people that have been in the business. So I've been in the business over 10 years and I've seen it in 2018 when the rates went up again and they were hitting the fives then. And then two years later, they were back in the twos. So it's kind of something you flow with and you're seeing people that have been in the business a while. They, they know what's going to come. They know it's, you're going to see a rise in rates and then things slow down a little bit. But honestly, I haven't seen, it hasn't slowed down that much for me in 2022. And do you think that's because uh, like a lot of your clients, I assume, since you work with a lot of agents, are you're working with new buyers that are constantly coming into the market. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if, you're, if you've had much of a refi business. Um, I think a lot of people that have been heavily dependent on the refinance business who are not constantly doing purchases are probably the people getting more hurt and getting flushed out of the business. Yeah, and you're definitely still seeing refis, obviously, as I said, divorces, also tax liens. Business owners that are trying to invest more into their business are doing cash out refis or, or HELOCs. Um, obviously, a HELOC is more beneficial rate-wise and everything if it's for home improvement. Um, and it's you're seeing a lot of, I don't know, it's a change, but it's also a good change because something's got to give. You can't just have it 2% interest rates forever. Yeah. And as as I've been telling a lot of my clients, um, what the rates are now are still lower than when I bought my first bunch of properties. This Mm -hmm. is really just starting to work its way back towards a normal interest rate environment, right? As opposed to really just the free money that we've had the last, I don't know, five years or so. Exactly. Russell says to say that to the clients, like, you know, to use their concerns, but I got my house at two and a half percent interest rate, so no one's feeling bad for me. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, well, my parents 
you know, your parents probably got it at 10 or 12 or 15 percent. Like, just trying to think of it that way because interest rates come and go. But I can't tell anyone, you know. Well, it's funny. The older we get, the more we sound like our parents, right? Because I'm like, I remember when I was borrowing at 6 percent. The same Mm -hmm. thing as like your parents say, like, I remember when I was borrowing at 15 percent. Yeah. I, so I work with my mom and we work on a team together and she was telling me that their first house was, I think it was nine or 10% with three points and they thought they were getting the deal of a lifetime. Yeah. <laughs> and now if you tell someone like one point, they're oh, what? there's a point. People hate points. Um, yeah. I'm one of those people. I'd rather pay a higher interest rate than pay a point. Yeah. And what I'm telling my clients now, especially with builder deals, because I have had these clients for a year, so they have seen the lows and they're now seeing the highers. But you can always, if you invest in your home now, you can always do a cash out refi later and get that money back to invest. Yeah. And it's definitely a very popular strategy with our client base. Our client base mm -hmm. really likes cashing out as, as your values move up, cashing out that money and then redeploying it to a better use. Exactly. So it's more, I, I mean, I advise people that when they're like, should we put down the lowest amount or 20%? And I'd say if you want your payments to be lower, put down the 20% because values are still going up. So when the rates do come back down, which there's always a refi boom, you can get that money out and invest it in another home, you know, investments, those types of things. And rates should come back down once, once the inflation rate comes back down, right? Yes. And so inflation rate for the month just got released. What was it? 8.9%, I think, the other day. Yeah, Yeah, and and that had tapered off from the month before where it was about 9.2. I think it came down a little bit. And this inflation is being measured against, you know, it's a year-over-year reading each month. And last year's prices on everything were down so much because of COVID. Um, And so it's really not even a real reflection of what reality is, right? So energy prices are up 80%. But energy prices had also plummeted 50% because of COVID. Mm -hmm. So when we look at like a three-year average, the inflation rate is not nearly as high as people think that it is. But certainly the numbers are shocking and that that shocks bondholders then who want a larger return on those bonds. And therefore they are lending out that money to, you know, through the mortgage market at higher rates. Um, But as we get past sort of these ultra low prices from a year ago being measured against a higher price this year, we should start to see the actual inflation rate tick down probably in the fall when the prices weren't as dramatic last fall on the low end. Um, I would imagine that we should see lower inflation numbers in the later part of this year. And that should lead to, you know, I don't want to say low interest rates, but lower than they are today. Mm -hmm. I think it also is, if you look around, uh, gas rates are up, gas is higher, food's more expensive, interest rates are higher. It's just the nature of the market right now. And we should right, be able to put our money in a savings account and actually earn a higher interest rate, mm-hmm. especially if we're locking them into a CD because some of that mon- CD money is actually get to, getting lent out as loans at higher interest rates. Mm-hmm. So it's all very right, cyclical, I guess. Yeah. And it's not, I feel like the consumer confidence dip is because of these crazy headlines. Like we discussed yesterday about the one that's like foreclosures up 130% or something. But in reality, it's because they were so low last year, but people, all they read is myself included that first headline 
they're like, oh, it's coming. You know, there's going to be this big bust. Yeah, that's a great point. So the the headline was foreclosures were up, I think, 132%. And so, but when we measured it in the units sold per Units foreclosed per month, we went from about, I think, 10,000 foreclosures a month to 25,000. But the normal amount of foreclosures is 50 to 90,000 in a month. So even though we're up double from last year, we're down, we're still 30, 40, 50% lower in foreclosures than pre COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the media likes to create headlines that get clicks, but the, that fear is not really a ref- proper reflection of what's happening in reality, but it plays a part in the mind of the consumer, right? Cause the consumer doesn't know that we went from 75,000 foreclosures a month down to 10,000. Now we're up to 25,000. Well, yeah. And as agents, we see that every day when someone tells you, I'm just going to hold off and wait by a foreclosure. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Good circle, luck. Circle back next year. We'll <laughs> yeah. Because buying power pricing is just going to keep going up for now. So buying power is going to get smaller and smaller and smaller. Yeah. Hopefully the rates start to go back down. But I think the demand's still going to be high just because people are seeing a high, higher interest rate. So they're like, why would I sell my house at a two and a half rate and then pay 5% for a smaller space? Yeah. That That's costs gonna, more. It'll lock them into place. They won't sell. They'll they'll redo their kitchen and stay, stay put. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's certainly one of the problems I'm having in generating seller clients over the last, really the last year is, you know, if someone's at a $600,000 house and would normally trade up to 800 or 900, well, they can't find anything anyways. So they just stay put, they redo their kitchens, they redo their bathrooms, they put an addition on the house mm-hmm. um, and then they don't move. And now that's one less seller and that just repeats itself over and over and over again. Yeah. That's where those locks come into play. Mm-hmm. Yes. Those upgrades. We get a lot of questions actually about differences between doing a cash out refi and a HELOC and kind of what that looks like for different types of consumers. I don't know if you want to talk about that at all. Um, it, it depends obviously on equity, those types of things. A cash out refi would benefit you if it depends how much you have in the house of equity. So if you have a ton of equity and you're looking to do a HELOC, that's something that's more short term and you can continue to borrow from it where a cash out refi is a set amount. So it, you can either leave your HELOC open or you can close it out after that time period, borrow again. But with the cash out refi, it's just a set amount that you can either pay off debt or do your upgrades. And in this market, the cash out refis aren't as they're more divorce IRS situations. They're the situations that people can't control, so they're forced into that. Um, and with the HELOC, you're not paying any interest unless you're actually pulling that money out and using it. If yeah. you're doing cash out refinance, you're paying that interest no matter what. Exactly. Um, so the HELOC is going to add a lot more flexibility, especially if you don't know what you're doing with the money. Mm-hmm. What's the uh, highest LTV on a HELOC you guys will go to? It depends. So with... It's 80%, and then with VA, it's up to 100%. Wow. Well, I guess their loan goes up to 100%, so that makes yeah. sense. But pulling, up, pulling 100% out of your house is probably not something we advise you to do. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> That's like a tax situation. Bad divorce, maybe. Yeah, those <laughs> yeah. are the people that are uh, really paying someone out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
I, I get one or two calls a year where we're trying to do the math on selling their house. I'm like, uh, you get 20 grand to bring to the table. Cause yep. and it's usually because of a cash out refinance or a HELOC and, um, people forget that's going to be paid off when you sell the house. Yeah. Yeah. And two people, I think underestimate myself included before I got more educated about it. I didn't realize there's like closing costs, you know, mm-hmm. for doing those types of things. So I had a friend who's doing renovation over in the Capitol Hill area and the loan he was using just wasn't going well. So he thought about refinancing and it would have cost him almost as much in closing costs as it would to like do the refinance and then finish the renovations. It was like a renovation loan. Yeah. It's like, why would I do that? But the government likes their recordation taxes. Mm -hmm. Sure. And it's funny because that is something we are constantly pushing back on the Montgomery County council on is recordation taxes. It's very easy way for them to raise extra revenue. So they constantly bring it up the idea of raising taxes through recordation taxes and uh, realtors are constantly pushing back against that. Um, Makes sense. And luckily the last five, six years we've been very successful in pushing back their efforts, but they did five or six years ago, raise the recordation tax, um, which, you know, as realtors and lenders, we don't really like. Yeah. Changes a lot for us, especially when you're doing with dealing with builder deals because you have first time home buyers that are seeing one amount if they buy a house in Montgomery County. But then a lot of people are leaning towards new construction because they can't get those houses that they want. So they're paying the full amount as opposed to paying 50 50 with. Yeah. Seller. And as Jessica is alluding to here, when when you're buying from a private seller, you're typically splitting the the transfer and te- recordation taxes half between seller, half between buyer. But as you said, when the buyer is buying from new construction, they're paying the entirety of that. So they're paying double the amount of taxes, which mm-hmm. is significant, thousands and thousands of dollars. Which changes the game because the numbers we're quoting with, with the initial uh, pre-approval is half that amount. Yeah. But then they say, oh, we're looking at a new construction at you know this builder, and then I'm doubling those fees. And they're like, wait, why is it so much more? It happened to me yesterday. Yeah. And it's five, ten thousand dollars $10,000. Obviously, the higher the price goes, the higher and higher these taxes go. Um, and it's it's significant. The most significant closing cost when you're buying is the transfer and recordation taxes. Mm-hmm. Um, consumers get angry at the lenders or the agents, but it, it really the it's the government getting their piece, which is um, thousands and thousands of dollars. Yeah. It's a... Unfortunate, but it is what it is. Mm-hmm. And then the first time home buyers don't really feel that perk yeah. of not paying the trans- state transfer tax because they're paying both sides. So they don't really get that discount. Yeah. Paying the seller side. And much harder to do this during the market we've been in. But like one of, one of the strategies I like to in sort of hide what our closing costs are is, is that either to up our price and get a seller subsidy, get the seller to pay some of those transfer taxes, or which I think a lot of people don't like to do. I like to raise my interest rate and get a lender credit mm-hmm. to, um, you know, cover my, some of my transfer taxes. Um, if you have a, have any clients that do that? I have two right now. Okay. So I have two purchases that went up probably like half a percent and they're one's getting 10,000 towards closing. The other is getting about seven or eight. Yeah. I mean, that's one of my favorite things to do. And it, people rarely do it. Um, we always kind of, we call it cocktail 
uh, party syndrome. People at cocktail parties like to brag about the, getting the lowest interest rate possible. Nobody likes to brag about paying purposefully a higher interest rate, mm-hmm. even if it's more beneficial to. Yeah. And I saw, you saw a lot of that in 2022 because you're not 2022, 2020 as well. Yeah. Um, because the rates were so low. So you're going up, you're still under three, but you're getting all your closing costs paid for by that interest rate. Yeah. So you might be going from three to three and a half percent and then getting. Yeah. Or even when I, I was going as low as 1.99 on FHA. So they're going up to two and a half percent and getting over a point in credit. So I've never seen an interest rate rate that low on any CD or altar I've closed. <laughs> it was wild. What's the highest interest rate you've seen? Um, it's got to be recent, like because you've been doing this ten years, so it's got to be a pretty recent interest rate. Yeah. What's the highest one you've seen so far? The highest I've quoted, I haven't quoted in the sixes yet. Okay. So five point nine nine. Almost six. <laughs> I've seen a, I've seen a couple of six and a half percent quotes during this, really? but those aren't those yeah. aren't any. Yeah, so I was paying twelve years ago when I bought my first properties for investment properties. I was paying six to six and a half, and anyway, so it doesn't seem that high to me per uh-huh. se. Um, but I, I saw a six and a half yesterday. Yeah, I with our with investors, I like to tell them you can obviously put as little as fifteen percent down. But you're, that's where you're going to see the sixes yeah. is. But if you hit that 25% down price point, you're going to see in the fives. So you're going to have a way lower rate than if the minimum amount. It's just like if you have the minimum credit score, you're going to have a higher interest rate than if you have. Yeah, and you mentioned there the 15% down. So a lot of people don't realize an investor can do 15% down. Mm-hmm. They're just kind of really um, getting screwed on the interest rate when they're doing right. that. Um but that is your minimum down to do a Fannie or Freddie loan is 15%. Yeah. And then with our FHA loans, we go as low as 520 credit scores. 520? Yeah, for FHA and I VA. Even, I didn't even know credit scores went that low. Mm-hmm. So between 520 and 580, um, you have to put down 10%. But obviously, it's a riskier loan, so a little more skin in the game. Yeah, I would say a 520 credit score is a pretty risky loan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's probably not getting paid back, right? <laughs> Well, it depends because you do have people that don't have credit. So they're that they have a credit card and that's getting used to the minimum or they've never had a car payment, you know, younger clients. um, You see that a lot where they need to build a little credit to get there. But it, it does happen where you are in the 520, 580 range. And for VA, it's, it's still a hundred percent financing. There are reserve requirements and, Stuff like that, but that makes sense. Mortgage insurance, right? Or anything that's less than that twenty percent. It's or FHA. Oh, FHA is it? FHA F- has mortgage insurance for the life of the loan. Yeah. Right. I'm keenly aware of that. I have an FHA <laughs> that's just my yeah. goal is to like get to the point so I can refinance and get rid of that. Cause it's yep. Well, maybe your two and a half percent with your PMI might be still lower than um, oh, yeah. what you'd refine refine to right now. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm an agent now, so I can't refi anyway. <laughs> I did this big play to renovate and create a bunch of equity in this house, and now I can't touch the equity, but it's there. Maybe for two, now. two years. Yeah, well, who knows where it's going to be in two years. <laughs> it'll it'll be up. It'll be up, hopefully, yeah. Yeah, when we increase the money supply from $13 trillion to $22 trillion, that's inevitably going to cause a lot of inflation. Inflation is going to cause the value of that property to go up. Um 
But of course, everything that we have to pay for is also going up, right? So we're act- so it's one way to look at it. Is, is, is our property value going up and help, helping us build wealth? Yes, but we're also spending more on our cars, spending more on our food, more on our gasoline. Um, yeah, it's going to take a while to get this. I think inflation will come down a little bit in the end of the towards the end of the year, but it's still going to be a decade long problem of inflation, I believe. Mm-hmm. So, good time to get a Tesla. Well, you know, it's funny. I just talked. Uh, I talked. I was trying to talk Omar out of buying a Tesla yesterday. Why out of buying one? Uh, we'll talk about it off off there for the tax benefits. Um. I don't know if they are heavy enough. Probably not, right? I feel like electric cars are lighter than... Yeah, a BMW X6 qualifies. That's like that really ugly, long one, right? No, it's like my old SUV. Sorry. (laughs) I don't think it was ugly. It was not ugly. I'm saying like, sorry, I thought it was the ugly one. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, yeah, that makes sense. So Jessica, tell people where they can reach you and where they can uh, put in a loan application for you, with you. Um. I have a website. It's www.loandepot.com slash Jessica Green with an E at the end um, or on Instagram at Jessie Green or Facebook. Yep. And she'll definitely answer you on Instagram. She always answers me when I got questions because I always forget that I have your phone number saved so I could text you. But I was I was IGDM instead. Mm-hmm. I get a lot of those. Yeah. All right. So we'll see you guys next week. And thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the DC Real Estate Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you want to contact the hosts, reach out to them at info at dcrealestatepodcast.com. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the show wherever you access your podcasts. 